Welcome back to the Great Compromise podcast. I am Victoria the Democrat, and with me as always is GOP Jim. How are you doing, Jim? Doing great. Ready to go. Awesome. Our episode today is on affirmative action. Can you give us a definition, Jim? Absolutely. So affirmative action is a government policy that is designed to help minorities and disadvantaged groups in finding employment, getting admission to universities, and obtaining housing. What do you think that covers it? That sounds great. That covers it. Well then, let's get into it. All right. This week I am pro, I am pro affirmative action. Despite progress that's been made, things are still not equal. Stats from 2005 state that women earn 76% of what men earn. Black people have twice the unemployment rate of white people and twice the infant mortality rate. Just over half the proportion of people who attend four years or more of college are African American. Without affirmative action, the percentage of black students at many selective schools would drop down to 2% of the student body. Affirmative action was never proposed as a cure-all solution to inequality. It was intended to redress discrimination in hiring and academic admissions. So what we need to ask is, does affirmative action help to counteract the continuing injustice caused by discrimination? A quote from Scott Plotus, PhD, says that the research suggests unequivocally that it does its job. Secondly, colleges already consider a variety of factors which the student cannot control from geographic location to being a legacy. In the same way that students might be admitted into a given university for being born a certain race, another might also be admitted because they were born in an academically uncompetitive area or their grandfather went to the school. No one can help how they were born, whether it's race or economic status or being the child of a legacy. Colleges need a system that differentiate between applicants, and although race may be arbitrary, it's no more arbitrary than other factors that are accepted. Lastly, a study of over 1,300 employers in Boston and Chicago showed that job applicants with white-sounding names are twice as likely to be called back for interviews as equally qualified applicants with black-sounding names. More than a million students this year will not graduate from high school, and a disproportionate number of them will be African-American, Latino, and Native American. What we need is to help make this more equal, equalize opportunity with affirmative action. Thank you, Victoria. Now, I am against affirmative action. I'm on the con side. To be clear, I'm not against policies that prevent discrimination. The problem is that affirmative action is itself discrimination. Giving unique or preferred treatment to some races and not all is racism. There is no reason for enforcing racism in any situation, period. Giving unique or preferred treatment to a specific gender is sexism, period. Giving unique or preferred treatment to anyone for any reason beyond qualifications is discrimination. This is truly the only argument I need against affirmative action. But lucky for you listeners, I still have some more. The objective of a business or an educational institute is to pick the most qualified individuals whenever possible. When affirmative action policies are active in society, at that point, the third purpose of diversity is added. 
if it just so happens that there are not qualified applicants from that minority group in society, these principles may drive an organization to acquire somebody who isn't equipped for the position or the program on account of what the law demands. Our longest-serving Supreme Court Justice, Clarence Thomas, an African-American himself, is against affirmative action. This is a portion of a New Yorker article that summarizes his position on it. According to Thomas, affirmative action is the most recent attempt by white people to brand and belittle black people as inferior. Affirmative action does not formally mirror the tools of white supremacy. For Thomas, it is the literal continuation of white supremacy. His argument is rooted in two beliefs. The first is that affirmative action reinforces the stigma that shadows African Americans. Among many whites, blackness signals a deficit of intellect, talent, and skill. Even Supreme Court justices, Thomas wrote in one opinion, quote, assume that anything that is predominantly black must be inferior. When the state and social institutions identify African Americans as being in need of help, they reinforce that stigma. The second way affirmative action continues white supremacy is by elevating whites to the status of benefactors, doling out scarce privileges to those black people they deem worthy. Put simply, Thomas believes that affirmative action is a white program for white people. And he had this to say in his opinion on Fisher v. University of Texas at Austin. Quote, Slaveholders argued that slavery was a positive good that civilized blacks and elevated them in every dimension of life. A century later, segregationists similarly asserted that segregation was not only benign, but good for black students. Thank you for your points, Jim. I want to touch on your last one, which I do think was a really strong point. But if it's demeaning to minorities to think that they need the leg up, then what do we do with the stats I referenced earlier? That they're less advantaged in both education and housing and everything else. How do we help? Well, we, we can do that by not focusing on race, right? That's more of a class issue. There are other ways to handle class disparity, right? And that's probably another issue for another episode. Um, I, it's, it is unfortunate that um, the race statistics are the way they are, but I do really think it is that it's a class problem. When we focus on race specifically, um, have you ever heard the, the term the soft bigotry of low expectations? Are you familiar with that at all? I don't think so. No, okay. Well, it is essentially what um, Clarence Thomas was, was speaking about. When we don't expect a particular race or gender to do well, that and like try to elevate them with these special policies, that in itself is bigotry. Right, we have low expectations of them already. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. <sighs> kind of, but it is just straight up bigotry to have in our laws that oh, black people can't succeed on their own, and so we need affirmative action to raise them up. That's an interpretation of affirmative action. I wouldn't well, say they can't succeed on their own. Plenty of people have done an amazing job landing somewhere astronomically different from where they started. I agree. 
but I think there are plenty of people that struggle to be able to do their homework and get good grades to get into a good college because they're working a second job instead of just going to school to help their parents pay the bills or they're taking care of their younger siblings and making sure that their siblings have dinner and they can't do um, extracurriculars that would look really good on a resume. Like things are just unequal and if you look at it on paper it makes it look like someone's not as qualified when they're perfectly qualified they just haven't had the same advantages so everything you just said i agree with and none of it has to do with race it's not race related it's it's a class issue it's it's a matter of where people live and how much money they have right I'm glad you brought this up because I have a clip of Obama's suggestion for how affirmative action can target this. Interesting. Let's hear it. Your, your candidacy brings the issue of race right to the top right. of the national conversation. Um, you've been a strong supporter of affirmative action. Yes. And you're a constitutional law professor. So let's go back in the classroom. Right. I'm your student. I say, Professor, you and your wife went to Harvard Law School. Mm-hmm. Got plenty of money. You're running for president. Mm-hmm. Why should your daughters when they go to college, get affirmative action? Well, first of all, I think that uh, my daughters uh, should probably be treated by any admissions officer as folks who are pretty advantaged. Uh, And I think that there's nothing wrong with us taking that into account as we consider uh, admissions policies at universities. Uh, I think that we should take into account uh, white kids who have been disadvantaged Uh, and have grown up in poverty and shown themselves to have what it takes to succeed. So I don't think those concepts are mutually exclusive. I think what we can say is that in our society, uh, race and class still intersect, that there are a lot of African-American kids who are still uh, struggling, uh, that even those who are in the middle class may be first generation as opposed to fifth or sixth generation uh, college attendees, and that we all have an interest in bringing as many people together uh, to help build this country. To start Senator getting Dale Connor wrote. Okay, um, I see what he's saying, and um, might be the first time I'd say he's not completely wrong. <laughs> Would you say you agree? Uh, partly, partly. Yes, th- unfortunately, uh, class and race still do intersect. Um, at this point. But I still see it as more of a class issue. We can't make policies that specifically target race, beneficially or otherwise. We can't do that, right? It's just, it's a policy that forces people or businesses or institutions to literally judge people based on the color of their skin. Like, we, why would we want that? I mean, I agree that we don't want to give anyone disadvantages based on their color, the color of their skin. We don't want to discriminate. I completely agree. The goal is equality, and affirmative action is aimed to help create more equal opportunity. Um, equal opportunity or equal outcome? Equal opportunity. Kids that get into good schools based on affirmative action are not guaranteed to have an easy path to becoming rich and successful. They have the opportunity of a good education that they might not have gotten otherwise. That's 
probably a little true. Entirely <laughs> true. Completely true. But what about businesses? What about jobs? If you're looking at two different applications, and mm-hmm. one is more qualified, and the other one is slightly less qualified, but it's a person of color. And because of these policies, you would be more apt to hire that person. Do you think that's fair? Affirmative action, to my understanding, is meaning equal, like equally qualified for the job. And then you choose based on who's both qualified, but also like taking into account someone of a minority, right? It's really easy for businesses to turn into a boys club. The study that I cited earlier talks about just the way a name sounds can impact who's called back for a second interview, who's given an opportunity. Affirmative action fights that. It's not saying someone who's less qualified should get a position. It's based on equal qualification. How is that enforced? That's the way that it's written. That's the goal of the policy. I can't speak to how every individual hiring manager is enforcing or not enforcing or interpreting the policy differently. How, literally in the policy, how is it enforced that someone needs to ignore, you're saying ignore race or take minority races into more of an account, even with two qualified, similarly qualified individuals, right? Mm-hmm. How is it enforced for the hiring manager to do that? I, I don't know. Do you know? I, I don't. I'm, I'm asking. I, I think the answer is either it's a kind of a gross quota number or it's not really enforced at all. In either way, it's not good. I think you might agree with that. Right. But I think what we're arguing about is, like, the intention of affirmative action, right? Like, I can't speak to how it plays out depending on who's doing the hiring. I'm sure there's a million different examples of how that works. But the, the intention of affirmative action is to give more opportunity to candidates that are just as equally qualified for a position. I think psychologically, people tend to hire people that look like them. Because it's familiar and psychologically, you know, you feel a connection with somebody who looks like you. Affirmative action is saying, like, just give equal chance. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I think I'm trying to say mm-hmm. is that giving two similarly qualified individuals, one white, one black, just in this hypothetical situation, a, a good hiring manager wouldn't care about their race. Yes. Right? And so this is why I ask how it's enforced, because there are going to be races everywhere for all of time, right? Mm -hmm. Whether we have affirmative action or not. And there are going to be people who don't hire certain races because they don't like them no matter what policies we have in place. That's true. And a good hiring manager, no matter what policies we have in place, will still hire the most qualified individual. So do we even need affirmative action? Uh, well, it's working with college admissions. Isn't that an... Is it? Yeah. If it wasn't for affirmative action, a lot of schools would have 2% of their population that is a minority. 
Can I ask you, you know, we've, we've actually talked about what's considered a minority and what's considered white in the past we have. episodes. Yeah. Can I ask you, do you think Asians are a min- minority? Yes. You do? Okay. In I, America. I would agree. Um, not every school would. In fact, a lot of the Ivy Leagues are now considering Asians to be white in their application process because Asians are more likely to get better grades and to uh, be admitted into these schools. And so with these policies in place, they're now considering them white. And we run into the old problem of, well, what's white and what's minority and who needs help and who doesn't? And so you and I both think that Asians are minorities, but these schools do not anymore. What do you think about that? I think that probably gets pretty murky. And that's where I agree with you that it should be more about um, like where people are economically, you know, if there's a disparity. And I liked the point that Obama made that it's not just race and poverty, it's, it's both. So like that intersection is still a huge component in people's lives. There's still a lot of discrimination and I think when people are coming from a discriminated background and low economic opportunity that's where affirmative action can play play a role. I want to read you um, a pew poll about this. Uh, More than 70% of U.S. adults oppose racial considerations in college admissions decisions. According to Pew, 85% of Republicans and 63% of Democrats share this position. Do you find that statistic interesting at all? That is interesting. I find that interesting because I had the same problem while researching this topic, Mm. where I was reading a lot about the opposing side, your side, and yeah, like, we definitely shouldn't solely focus on race because that is the problem. The problem is making discrimination um, carry weight by focusing on that in big decisions, right? Like we shouldn't let it impact us in any way. But when I try to factor in where people are starting from, I feel like that, that does lean towards affirmative action, but I'm not going to pretend it was an easy decision to decide where I stand. Okay. Fair enough. So, Victoria, what would you say our great compromise for this episode is? Well, I feel like we actually agreed on a lot. You know, that there are economic issues that are creating disparity and less of an opportunity for students going to college or individuals in general that need to be improved. Yeah, I definitely think we agreed on the economic disparity portion. um, And that is where I think this problem is going to be solved. And it seems like you would agree. I do. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Great Compromise. If you liked it, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and share it with your friends. And we will see you next week.